are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Today we're going to look at one way. There are many ways, but this is one way that Jesus really highlighted to his closest followers, his 12 disciples. You see, throughout Jesus' ministry here on earth, um, three and a half years, he was consistently shocking people with irrational acts of love. Consistently, he was found feeding hungry people. They had a need. They, they were hungry, and so he didn't pray for them. He fed them. How many times do we as Christians, well, let me pray for you, brother. You need food. No, they need food. They don't need prayer. You're the answer to what they already prayed for. Jesus was found feeding those who were hungry. He met a natural need first. He was found healing those who were sick. He was found spending time with the outcasts, the misfits of society, the ones that the religious and the church said are not allowed to worship here. They're dirty. They're unclean. This is where Jesus was found in their homes, on the side of the well with the woman who had a few extra husbands. Come on now. It was working out and she was shacking up with another one. Jesus was found right there having a conversation with her. Jesus had conversations with people that didn't believe like him. Jesus had conversations with people who didn't behave like him. This is Jesus. This is the one we're following. This is the reason we're here. This is the reason Fuel Church exists. This is what we point you to every single week. And the second we stop pointing you to Jesus is the second we need to close up shop. Because we make it about our own kingdom and we make it about a personality or someone in leadership. But I'm here to tell you the reason you're here today is to become more like Jesus. Hmm? And he's found the last few seconds of his breath here on earth forgiving two sinners. One rejected, one received that forgiveness. This is Jesus. But before Jesus went to the cross, he had one last gathering with his disciples. Stay with me here. One last dinner, one last fellowship, one last supper. And the Bible says that he gathered the 12. It was Thursday night. It was the night before. Someone say the night before. The night before he would be beaten to a bloody pulp, unrecognizable. The night before that they would take the cat of nine tails, which was a whip that had glass and shards inside of it, and they would whip him and literally pull out chunks of flesh out of his back. It was the night before that they would place the crown of thorns on his head, and the thorns would gush through his skin into his skull, and he would be bleeding profusely. It was the night before. Those that he thought would always be there for him would betray him in those last minutes. It was the night before that he would hang upon the cross for you and I. It was the night before 
And he took time and he gathered the 12 and he said, we're going to have one last dinner. We're going to have one last meal. And, and there's some things I want to talk to you about because you've been with me three and a half years. Remember, these were the 12 closest. They were with Jesus. They traveled with him. They ate with him. They, 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 they were with every miracle that he performed. They were there. They seen it. So he said, come on, guys, let, let, let's go up into a room, an upper room, the Bible says, and, and, and there's some things that I need to talk with you about. And in John 13, verse 1 and 2, it says this, it was just before Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and, and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Issachar, to betray Jesus. Just food for thought, if the devil will tempt one of Jesus' closest disciples, he will tempt you and I. That's next month's series. Promo. Shameless plug. Here Jesus is, and he's gathering the 12, and, 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 and there's some very serious things he begins to talk about with the 12, and understand there are four accounts, there's four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all four of them are giving this account of Jesus' life, but Luke kind of goes in a little deeper, and, and all the gospels talk a little bit, uh, portray the story just a little different, and, and, and Luke kind of goes this route, and he says, during this supper... An argument breaks out among the disciples. Here Jesus is. He's hours from going to the cross, being beaten, and the disciples start arguing. And the crazy thing is what they were arguing about. Start conversing with each other on who's the greatest out of the 12. You know, because your pride can get in the way when you take fish and loaves and feed 15,000, 20,000 people. Your pride can get in the way when God uses you to cast out demons. Your pride can get in the way when you serve in church and people are giving you accolades. Your pride can get in the way when the church grows, if you're not careful. Luke says this argument breaks out and the disciples are each saying, I'm the greatest. And Peter was probably, I mean, I'm adding this in, so don't don't judge me. But Peter was probably like, yo, I'm the greatest. I walk on water. Right? I'm sure he, he threw that in. I would have thrown that in. You walk, in, walk, walk on water, shoot. I'm the greatest. None of y'all cats, y'all stayed in the boat. I walked on water with Jesus. Right? And, 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 and uh, I'm sure after Peter said that, Luke was like, yeah, you walked on water, but you also took your knife out of your back pocket and cut a dude's ear off. Right? Right? Peter cut the dude's ear off, the ears on the ground. Jesus is like, what are you doing, Peter? One moment you have faith to walk on water. The next moment you're getting angry, letting anger overtake you, and you chop a dude's ear off. Jesus picks up the ear, puts it on the guy's head, and says, can you hear me now? <laughs> can you hear me now? If you're not going to laugh at that, you're not going to like the rest of the service. I worked on that for seven days, friends. That was funny. I don't care who you are. John pipes up and he says, no, 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 I'm the greatest because I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. Like, who writes in third person in his own book? 
Check this out. John writes in his letter, I am the disciple that Jesus loves. <laughs> wow, is that overconfidence? Is that e- what is that? Or did he have this deep revelation? Well, this was John. This was John. He's saying, I, I, I'm the greatest. James was like, well, I think it's me because he called me and uh, uh, John the sons of thunder, right? Jesus had nicknames for his disciples. They were the sons of thunder. Judas pipes up and says, it's me because I've done some awesome magic tricks with money over the last three years. That's funny too. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Ask somebody. Jesus raised his voice amongst the arguments, amongst the fighting between the 12 and, hey, hey, guys, stop it. Now, now I already told you who was the greatest. I've already went over this with you guys. We've already had this conversation as we were on our journey. I've already told you that the greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest. He squashes it right there. He says, guys, guys, remember what I told you back then? I, I told you that the greatest in the kingdom are those who serve. Someone say serve. Those who serve. And Jesus never told them what to do without showing them why to do it, right? He always exemplified the why behind the what. Very important. Jesus was always the example first. Jesus always goes first in our lives. He always goes first to show us the way. That's why we follow him. He's the leader. We're not. So he looks around this table. Twelve closest friends fighting over who's the greatest. Looks around the table and what does he see? What does he see in the last hours of his life on earth? What does he see amongst the twelve? He sees proud hearts and dirty feet. Proud hearts on one end, but dirty feet on the other. Proud hearts, dirty feet. I want to talk about that today. My title is Proud Hearts and Dirty Feet. Proud Hearts and Dirty Feet. John 13, verse 3 and 5, we continue in our text. And in verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Verse 4, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. Here Jesus was with the 12. He gets up from this last meal, and he stopped what he was doing to do one thing, and that was to put others first. He took the towel. Sure, he's seen the proud hearts. He's Jesus. He's all-knowing. Sure, he could have rebuked them, but he's Jesus. He said, I'm going to show you what real love is. And he began to dip the towel in the water. And one by one, he began to wash the feet of the disciples. Wash their feet. Why wash feet? Seems awkward. Seems weird, right? But back in those days, it was a common courtesy. When someone arrived at your house, you gave them a kiss on the cheek. The second thing you did is you washed their feet or the servant of the house washed their feet. 
Why? Because they had been on a long journey. They didn't have pavement and blacktop back then. They had dirty roads. So they had traveled on feet from a long distance. And so the second thing you did when they entered your your home is you washed their feet. The difference was this. It wasn't the host that would wash the feet. It was always the hired servants that would wash the feet. It was always the hired servants. Why? It was a low and humbling task. Who likes feet? If you like feet in here, you're hashtag weird. Like, who marries somebody because, yo, your feet are sexy, bae? Like, who says that? You need counseling if you say that. Like, feet, they're dirty. Like, we don't give much attention to them. I know you ladies get them all done up and whatever it's called, manicure, pedicure, whatever it's called. Is that what it's called? Pedicure? Yeah. Thought so. I had it done once. Confession. I did. I did. It was awkward, but I feel sorry for that lady who had to wash them and do all that stuff. He gets up from the table and he sees the proud hearts and he also sees the dirty feet and he says this, if, if I'm going to get to their hearts, I'm going to first get to the feet. If I'm going to get to the proudness, the pride of their hearts, I'm first going to serve by washing their feet. And sometimes we try to change people's hearts before we wash their feet. I'm preaching way better than you're responding. Sometimes we try to play Holy Spirit and change someone's heart before we just do something in the natural that will change their mind. Change their mind about this Jesus. Change their mind about this church thing. Change their mind about us being religious fanatics. Change our mind that all the church wants is my money and my time. And change their mind. We can change their mind by serving. Let the Holy Spirit change their hearts. Many times we're so quick to try to change somebody's life. How about we just let the Holy Spirit change us first and not try to change other people's hearts? It's not our job. It's not our responsibility. We try to play judge, jury, eyewitnesses to other people's lives when God is saying, no, let let me speak to your life. Let me work on you, big boy. Let me change some areas in your life. Hmm. No one wants to be around somebody who always criticizes them and puts them down for their failures. So maybe the reason you have no friends is because of that, friend. Maybe the reason no one invites you out is because you always pick at the scab of of their disappointments and their pain and their failures in life. And when you pick at a scab, it just keeps coming back and it's irritating. You may be irritating to some people. Just let the Holy Spirit work on you. When I first got married, I tried to play Holy Spirit with my wife. I know none of y'all have ever done this. But I used to try to, you know, drop hints, you know, like it was part of our normal conversation when really in my mind I had ulterior motives. You know, when she would get an attitude and say this or that, when's the last time you prayed, baby? (laughs) Like, 
you maybe need to have a come to Jesus moment because you got a bad attitude, right? And I would say it real soft and nice, <laughs> but in my heart, I'm like, get her, <laughs> get her. And I would do that for years, man, years. Do you know it never worked? <laughs> you know, it doesn't work today. Let the Holy Spirit change your spouse. Let the Holy Spirit work on your friends, your family members. I got one point today, and it's this. Love always serves. Love always serves. Love always serves. Proud hearts, dirty feet. Love always serves. He put the towel around his waist. He grabbed the water. And they're all looking at Jesus like, what are you doing, Jesus? You're the son of God. You're about to be crucified for the sins of all of humanity. Why are you doing this? The servant is supposed to do this. Not you, Jesus. The servant, the hired servant who is paid, they're supposed to come and wash the feet. They're supposed to bend down and wash the dirty toenails and the dirt in between the toes and the smelly feet not the son of god not the bread of life not the prince of peace not the living water not the light of the world the lamb of god the king of glory the great high priest the king of kings and lord of lords but here he is found with the towel in his hand washing the proud hearts of his closest friends He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. This is how much I love you, Jesus said. He said, I love you to the very end. He who was the greatest was found serving. He who was the greatest was found serving. Love always serves. Love always serves. Serves. You say, what are you, you, know, what are you, are you, what are you talking about here? Like, give me some practice. Okay, here we go. How about a friend? They need help moving. How about this? A friend that doesn't go to your church needs help. It doesn't always have to be people that go to your church. Well, they don't go to my church, so I'm not going to help them. Really? You selfish thing, you. I believe we should help people in our body, in our family. Amen? I believe that's right and noble, but we should sow some seeds and serve for, uh, in the lives of people that can never do anything in return for us. Well, they don't know God. Well, what a great opportunity to serve. What a great opportunity to encounter someone with a proud heart but has dirty feet. Hey, I'll help you move. I got a truck. I'll help you move. What about a teenager that just messed up? They need some spiritual guidance and maybe some adult, maybe some mom or grandmother, grandfather has some wisdom to help them. What if you say, man, I'll help them. I'll serve them. I'll give them some guidance. What about a family that needs groceries? What about a family that comes to you and says, man, we're starving, and you, instead of you saying, hey, let me pray for you, and here's a card to our new series, you say, hey, let's go buy some groceries. Love serves. Love serves. This becomes a lifestyle to you, and when you see a need, you're going to do everything in your power to meet that need. Now, you may not be able to meet every need, but you can meet some needs. 
We get overwhelmed with this. There's so many needs in our community and in the world. I can't do anything. There's no way I can meet all the world needs. And how can I bring world peace? And how can I take out world hunger? You can't, but you can start with one person at a time. You can start with one family at a time. You can start with one kind word at a time and begin to wash the feet of the proud hearts. Everyone can do something. Maybe a baby needs a diaper change in the nursery at church. Oh, holla at your boy. You just got off the train right there. It didn't stop, but you jumped off. (laughs) Well, I raised my kids. I ain't called the white butts. Give me that baby. It'll be the cleanest butt you've ever seen. Ain't no dingleberries hanging from that baby when I'm done with it. I'm going to tell you right now. I wipe all up underneath there. I give that baby back to its mom and dad smiling fresh. Ain't too good to wipe butts. Too good. Because love serves. Maybe God's house needs cleaned. Love serves. Maybe, maybe, maybe you feel like, man, I, I don't, just don't know if I could be with the kids in children's ministry. It, it's a little too much for me. Love serves. Maybe that's the area God's wanting to work on you in. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm not Holy Spirit, but I'm just saying. Just dropping it down. Pick it up if you want it. Maybe the trash cans in the church, you see them overflowing. Instead of walking by, you actually take the trash out. Instead of walking by trash on the ground, you take it up because love serves. This is God's house. This isn't my house. This is God's house. We take care of God's house. I don't, have to, I don't have to be on staff at a church to, to not take care of God's house. I'm going to take care of God's house. This is where God has planted me and my family. And when I see something broke, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure God's house is looking the best. You see, so many acts of serving go on throughout the week that is unseen by man but seen by God in this house. Monday through Saturday, people are here. Why? Preparing for this atmosphere. It didn't just happen because we hit the lights. It didn't just happen because we turned the heat on. Guess what? People were serving Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And people were giving up their time and their talent and their treasure to make all this happen every single week so that your family could be ministered to, so that your kids right now are hearing God's word and getting all jacked up on sugar. Because somebody took time to study their lesson for their kids' class. Somebody took time to prepare that nursery to make sure it's clean. It's clean every week. You know why I know it's clean? I go in there every week and make sure it's clean. (laughs) Right? It's clean. I walk this whole facility every Monday, my routine, to make sure things are up to par. If anything's broken, we're going to fix it. We're not going to leave it the way it is. We're not going to leave it the way it is. Okay? Love serves. See, when you're washing feet, it's not about you. I get a trip out of people who they're on uh, IG or Facebook and they're in their church serving and they do like a a humble tweet, a humble picture, like humbly serving at church, click. (laughs) That's real funny. Like you ain't humbly serving, you just took a selfie. You just took a selfie. That is the most non-humbling thing you could do in your life. And for those of you who put a selfie up every other hour, uh, I was going to say something I would have regretted later. I'm just going to put this little sweet tart in my mouth so I don't say it. Come on, somebody. You got problems. 
If your value and confidence is in a selfie, you got issues that we can't help you with. Go to a counselor. <laughs> you don't need to take a selfie when you're serving. You do it unto God, not unto man. Why? Because love serves. The strongest people make time to serve others, even if they're struggling with their own personal battles. Newsflash. You're not the only one that's got personal battles. Yeah. Say, man, these people on the stage, they look like they got it all together. Nope. Man, our pastor, he's so excited and tells funny jokes. Looks like he's got it all together. Nope. Sure don't. Jacked up. Sin this week. Probably sin today sometime. Jacked up. Messed up. Ain't got it all together. Just trying to follow Jesus. Just trying to love like Jesus to the best of my ability. To the best of my ability. Why? Because love always serves. Love always serves. If you're not serving, you're not loving. Hate to break it to you. Strongest people I know are those who put aside their battles and they come in here week after week. Talk to many of you throughout the week. Every day I'm talking to somebody who's battling with something. Every single day I hear stories, people in this church. You'd be shocked at what people are going through. You would be amazed at what people are struggling with. In this house. That's why when they walk through those doors, we're going to do the best of our ability to have a haven of hope for them, to have a place of grace for them. Because there are so many needs. There are so many broken hearts. There are so many people struggling with deep issues. Not the issues some of you have. I can't go out to eat three times a week. I'm struggling. I'm being persecuted for Christ. Shut up. Shut up. You're not being persecuted. You could hear the stories of people that I talked to. You would be like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I can't get the new house. I'm good. I can't get the new car. I'm good. I didn't get a raise. I'm good. Yeah, you would. Love serves. I I remember we were in New Jersey, and there was this lady, Mary, Mary Spiro, and her husband, Dr. Spiro, he was an, a minister and had a doctrine in theology and taught, ran the Bible college there at the church I was at. Had pastored for 35 years, and then in his later years, he came there and Pastor Demola hired him to run the whole Bible college there. And What a great man of faith and power. I mean, he would stand up there. He was 71, 72, and just preach the word with passion. I mean, I, didn't, I had never seen a greater example of a couple and a marriage and a man who lived what he preached. Got close to him, and then a few years later, he got diagnosed with cancer, and he died quick. He died quick. I remember being at his hospital bed the day he died. I, I, I remember what he told me. I remember what he told me. And it'll stay with me for the rest of my life. And here Mary was, her first Valentine's without Dr. Spiro. And we didn't have a lot. You know, we struggled a lot financially in New Jersey because the cost of living and, you know, couldn't always do what we wanted to do. But here Mary was, her first Valentine's Day without her husband of, I think it was close to 40 years they were married. 
I said, Tara, let's call, let's, let's call Mary. Let's invite her over. Let's make it special. The kids made all kinds of cards, and we made her favorite meal. She loved Italian food, so Tara made this Italian meal, and you know, we got balloon. We got her roses, and we invited her over Valentine's Day, and here Mary came, and she began to cry. She's seen all the gifts, and I'm sorry. I'm crying every service now. I feel like Joel Osteen. <laughs> Dear God. And she began to weep, and she said, I can't believe you did this all for me. I can't believe you took time, your kids, and you guys did all this for me. We said, we love you, Mary. We know this is a hard Valentine's Day, and we just wanted to tell you we love you. And it was one small act of kindness to serve her on that day, that widow. A few weeks ago, she texted Tara, and she said, this was... This happened seven, eight years ago. But this year's Valentine's Day, she texted Tara and she said, you'll never know what that day meant for me. I said, oh my gosh. Eight years later and she's still talking about it? See, you don't know what it means to take the towel and to wash the dirty feet of proud hearts. Some of you despise people in your family. Some of you despise people at your job because of their lifestyle. What if you took the towel and you said, man, your heart is jacked up, but I'm not even going to point it out. I'm just going to take the towel and I'm going to serve because love always serves. Love always serves. We were also in New Jersey right before we were leaving and we had two cars and we had this van and it was a great van. I've always swore as a youth pastor I'd never drive a minivan and here I was driving a stinking minivan, living large. And we're leaving, and there's this guy. His name was Augie. <laughs> Unique name. Augie helped us get the house ready to sell. And, you know, we would pay him a little bit that we had, but he did way more than, you know, what we could pay him. And just a great guy and helped us with fuel conference and building sets and just very handy guy. And this guy, he had a desire to have a homeless ministry. He would go over to this homeless ministry, and he would feed them. And, you know, he didn't have much in life and had this beat-up truck that barely ran. And, you know, he wanted something else so he could pick up homeless people and bring them to feed them. Well, the Holy Spirit tells Tara and I, give the van away before you move. I'm like, I rebuke you, Satan. I need two vehicles, you know. We're a family of five. He said, give the van away to Augie so he can fulfill his vision for the homeless ministry. And we called him over one day and said, we got something for you, Augie. First, I went, cleaned it all out, got it all detailed, the whole deal, and filled it up with a full tank of gas, not half, not quarter, but full. Handed him the keys and he began to weep and cry right there on our front porch. He said, I can't believe you would do this for me. Like, you need this for your family. I'm a single man. I, you know, I don't need it. I said, yes, you do. You need it. I know your vision to help the homeless people and you're going to use this to bring glory to God, to help these homeless people. It doesn't take a lot. You just got to be sensitive to where God is asking you to wash feet. He'll speak to you if you ask him. He'll share it. He'll show you. Many of you in here are already doing it. Many of you in here bless people and you don't ever get recognition. You don't need it. You don't need your picture up on the jumbo screen. You bless people week after week. You do it. Why? Because love always serves. And when you serve with the right heart, it's never about you. It's never about your gift or your talent. You don't need to be seen, acknowledged, because serving is not about 
you. Serving isn't just what we do, but it's who we are. It's who we are. Our kids ask often, do, are we going to church again? <laughs> church kids, PKs, yes, we're going. Why are we again? Yet we get to go. A few weeks ago, I had this conversation because my kids were complaining about how much they go to church. I know your kids don't do that, but my kids will be the example. And they were complaining, and I said, listen, kids, I want everybody to listen. Eyes on daddy, eyes on daddy. I said, no, we don't have to go to church. We don't have to. We get to go to church, and we want to go to church. Why? Because when we go to church, we're not only serving God, but we're serving his people. We're serving God, and we're serving his people. We, we get to go. And I believe this. If you want your kids to be passionate about serving Jesus, if you want your kids to have a relationship, a true relationship, not based on mom and dad's relationship with Jesus, but their own personal relationship, I believe there's two things, and this may be worth writing down. I don't know. I believe there's two things that, that they need, you need to have. First of all, they must see you serving Jesus and having an intimate relationship with him in your home. Not in here in your home. Do you model it in your home? Huh? Do your kids see it modeled? Or do they just see mom and dad as a Sunday Christian? A Sunday Jesus follower. We talk about Jesus on Sunday, but the rest of the week, we don't ever mention him. You want your kids, I'm just saying, if you want your kids to be passionate about serving Jesus as they get older and grow up, they need to see it modeled. Number two, they need to see you serving in God's house. Yes, sir. Why? Because when it's their time to serve, check this out, they will feel a sense of being needed and belonging. My kids are young, but the two oldest ones are serving already. They're already serving. You know what? They have a sense of belonging. I see my kids taking ownership. No, I got to be there, Daddy, because I got to get this ready and I got to do this, you know? And they love that. They're needed and they belong to a family and they're falling in love with God's house. I don't want them to fall in love with God's house because their mom and dad are the pastors. I want them to fall in love with God's house because they have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's we want to and we get to, not that we have to. People tell me all the time, I run into them outside of here and they tell me all the time, you know, I, I, I just, I can't find a church that meets all my needs. I just, I've looked all over Kokomo, there's not one. Right? And I wait for something else, but I don't get anything else. And I say, listen, the church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. Okay, we come here every week to get fueled up. Amen? Amen. It's where we get fueled up. And let me say this it's hard to get fueled up when you don't visit the station on a regular basis because eventually you run out of fuel. We don't want you here every week just so we can say, look at our numbers. We want you here so you can come and get refueled. So you can go out there and give out what you got. Amen? But if you're not coming on a regular basis, eventually you're going to run on E. And you know what happens when you run on E? You break down. Your marriage breaks down. Your finances break down. Your kids break down. Come on now. So that was free. Amen? 
I close with this. I close with this. Matt read one of our core values, number nine. I read core value number five. You're about to see all our core values on the wall around here soon, but core value number five is we are not consumers. We are contributors. We are contributors to God's house. We're not just going to come here, and if you're new here and this is your first time, listen, we want you to just come and receive for a little bit. We do want that. But we do also know the secret of a fulfilled life is grabbing the towel, washing dirty feet, washing dirty feet. We're not just going to be consumers and soak it all up week after week, but we're going to be contributors. Why? Because someone paid a price for me to sit in this chair. Do you know that someone gave so you could sit right there? Do you know that someone gave so these lights could be on? You know that someone gave so that we could invest into our children's ministry and have updated, current, relevant curriculums? You know someone invested so the heat could be on? So now I'm going to step up and I'm going to say, because someone did it for me, now I'm going to take the towel. I'm going to take the towel and I'm going to serve somebody else's family. And I'm going to give towards someone else's family. And I'm going to invest because I'm not going to be just a consumer. I'm going to be a contributor to God's house. I'm going to be a contributor. I'll say this. I'll say this. If you're a Christ follower, if this is your church and you're not serving, you're not using your gift and talent, you are selling yourself short. Did I stutter? No. You're selling yourself short. Because when you serve others, God changes lives. And you know what? The first life he changes is yours. They didn't hear that, Joe. Maybe second service will respond to this message a little better. We have a lot of people who are seasoned church people, so they're a little more quiet. Yeah, first person he changes is you. You want to be changed? Change someone else's life. I firmly believe. You say, man, are we doing some kind of campaign to get people? Nope. Just doing what Jesus did. Just loving like Jesus. The series is love. We want to love like Jesus. Jesus served. Jesus took up the towel and washed dirty feet. Even though they had proud hearts. Even though their life was messed up. He said, I'm going to serve first. You're robbing yourself and others when you don't serve. Albert Einstein said it. Only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. You live for yourself. It's a sad life to live. I know people who live for themselves. They're the most unhappy, the most grumpy people that never smile, that never give, that never want to help other people out. When they see a need, they run in the opposite direction. They're the most dissatisfied people because they're focused on the temporal and not the eternal. You see, we got to learn to get our eyes off the temporal and we got to look into the internal. We got to learn to pick up the towel. Pick up the towel. Is it going to be comfortable? No, it's not comfortable washing dirty feet. Is it going to be nice and smell nice? No, it's not going to be nice. At times, you're not going to want to do it. There's some things I did today when I came in that I didn't want to do, but I had to do it because love serves. Love serves. We're going to get this thing done no matter if I got to do it. We're going to do it because love serves. Stand with me today. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns you've messed up, I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, 
God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Jesus name. It's simple as that. And uh, I encourage you to find a good local church. If, if you can get to fuel church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God until next time. God bless you. Have a great week.